0: Are you a sexy, indulgent musician, suffering from consistent long hours, crippling self-doubt, and constant disappointment? Well, do we have a show for you. Welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Disappointment, a bi-weekly deep dive into what it takes to be a healthy and successful musician in the modern industry. My name is Melody Kaiser
1: and I'm Dustin Williams.
0: And we are both full-time musicians and creative entrepreneurs. And today we are discussing when to not take the gig that you have been
1: offered. Oh yeah. It's a tough decision sometimes.
0: Yeah, this is a big one. Um it's I think it's one of the most important topics we've talked about <laughs> actually. Mm. Um because yeah. it's really really hard when you're offered a gig of any kind to turn it down because you're told as musicians, you know, take any gig that you can and it's going to be amazing and you know, blah blah blah. But you're um, right, yeah, it's very important to know when to not take the gig.
1: Yeah, because um, it's it's hard work, gigging in general. um yeah. you know, I mean, from from the. Equipment load-ins and load-outs, to the prep beforehand, the practices and rehearsals. I mean, there's a lot of time and energy that that goes into into gigging. And, um, like you said, you know, I think there's there's this push um, from certain sectors of of the industry, at least, where it's like if you're not taking the gig, then you're not trying hard enough, or you know. And and I I think I feel like you know, as as a um, sub society, I guess, of musicians, like people are starting to learn more about, um, valuing their time, you know, because of social media and stuff where people are being more candid and talking about their experiences, um, like we're doing here. And, um, I think that has, has definitely helped a little bit, but I think there's still a lot of people out there that they just kind of take whatever, whatever comes their way. And, um, it's really, you know, it's not the right move yeah
0: and i think that i mean i can speak for myself that's been really really hard for me um to not just like think of every opportunity as like oh well this is going to be you know a huge uh crowd or it's going to be a Mm -hmm. huge you know opportunity i may meet somebody you know right right yeah um but i think that we both have done enough at this point, where, um, we definitely can kind of look back and say, like, I should not have done that gig.
1: <laughs> definitely.
0: You know what I mean. A hundred
1: percent. Yeah. Um, yeah, for various reasons.
0: Yeah. No, I definitely agree. Um. So, Dustin, what is like a, what's an uh an example of, and like you were afforded an opportunity let's just say in quotes
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where (laughs) um
0: you regret taking the gig
1: yeah there's um there's actually a kind of a long list that i can think of um so we'll, we'll probably talk about a few of these instances on on my end and then on your end um and you know it's kind of like, like, a a aside a from the, uh, wild show stories, right? It's less about the wild right. situations and more about just like, you know, these gigs that we've taken that, um, that have turned out to be less than, uh, beneficial in some way. Um, and I'd like to start off by saying too, that, you know, I, it's hard to say that for me personally, that I necessarily regret, um, the gigs, I mean, there are aspects that I do regret, right? So I'll start with that. Sure. But I also feel like I learned a lot from them. Um, And it puts me in this unique position where I can share those experiences with people who who may not have had those opportunities come up yet and help them discern, uh, you know, which ones are are worth it and which ones um, are not. Um, So... I, uh, I'll start at the top of my list and we'll kind of go like small, smaller ones to big ones, I think. Um, so the first one that came to mind for me was um, this showcase, I guess you could call it, um, for lack of a better word, that uh, one of my previous bands took. Um, and it was kind of, I would say, nearing like the last year or two of this band's um, playing together. Um and this was one of those situations that kind of um I think pushed me and I can't speak for the others but maybe some of the others into realizing like yeah, maybe maybe we need to step away from this project for a little bit. because um, there's a lot of great things about it but then there are some other things that that weren't so great. Um and this is one of them. So it was a uh, a showcase that was in Atlanta. It was a hip hop showcase and the band I was in was in was a rock band. <laughs> So right off the bat it was like okay this is a little bit odd you know why are we doing a rock and roll set at a hip hop showcase you know sure um and i i'll I'll also say that like we we did well um for the situation we were in but uh it so it was this Um, I'll call it an event space, but it was really probably just like a club. Um, They had a very, very small stage um, that was definitely not going to accommodate the full band, which, you know, is another reason that we should have been like, "Uh, this this isn't going to work for us. Um, But we show up and the parking situation sucks because it's just like street parking. So we had to park like a block down the road, which is makes me a little nervous for the gear, you know, and, and, um, especially anytime you're in any, any city, um, you know, you kind of have to be a little more, uh, attentive to where your vehicle is. And, you know, if you've got a bunch of gear in there and you're a musician who can't afford to replace all your gear, you know, it gets stolen. Like that's a bad time. Um, so, we get to the gig, we load in, like I said, the stage is small. It's also, you know, it's not a sound treated room in any sense of the word. Um, the PA, I don't even specifically remember much about it, but I want to say it was one of the situations where it was like a DJ booth. Uh, So it had like a single mic input. Oh
0: yeah. And
1: I've done other gigs like that where you show up and they're like, oh yeah, we have a PA and it's Same. that. It's like, yeah, it's like, what what the hell is this, dude? Yeah. Um so what so, the fuck moment. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. I, there might have been two vocal inputs cuz I think I was able to do some harmonies for this one I normally sang harmonies in this band. Um and uh yeah, so what we um found ourselves in was this situation where there was no proper PA, there was no real stage that was um fitting for a five-piece rock band with big amps and a big drum set and um, you know uh, and the people were definitely not there for like a alternative rock band and I will say they enjoyed it. They actually you know were very receptive to what we were doing. Um, I don't know if that would have been the case if uh, we didn't try to play to the environment we were in. Sure. Um, but we, we kind of had to adjust you know what what we did for it but um you know we we <laughs> so the drum set we had up on the stage and then we had the amps on the stage but then the rest of us uh myself the guitar player vocalist and trombone player were all on the ground
0: right
1: um so there's this drum set and amps behind us that are like at four or five feet elevation and then we're just like on the you know on the ground so it's just very awkward good time set up yeah um mind you again this is a showcase so there is no money involved here so we are also not getting paid um right and um it was a cold night i remember because it, i mean it had to be in the winter um you know or or like it could have been late november and it's just like happened to be really cold because it kind of you know f- flips around here in georgia um and yeah, I mean, there was no one really there. I mean, even the people that were there who were receptive, as great as it was, it was probably like ten people, um, maybe, maybe. Right. And um, you know, there was no like drink tickets for the band, so we were paying for for drinks. There was no food, um, and it was just one of those situations where it's like we we took it because, you know, I guess some of us in the in the group. Um, I, I didn't really feel this way, but, uh, some of the others in the group felt like maybe this would be a good opportunity cause we would stand out because we are a rock band. Um, and, uh, you know, we were just trying to, to get more ears on the music, I guess. And, and, you know, um, and in hindsight, of course, you know, I think a lot of people even listening would be like, yeah, why did you take that? And I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, really like,
0: right.
1: you know, it's just, I think we were kind of, I don't want to say desperate, but we were really trying to just like, push out there and and we were you know we'd been playing the same scene for a while so we were trying something you know different trying to get some some new eyes on us some new ears on us um and uh i was just frustrated the whole night because of all, all you know all this stuff the shitty load in the shitty sound the shitty stage the lack of people um you know the 15 or 20 minute set that we had um it was like, you know, barely enough time to really even get warmed up before you're done. Right. Um, and then on top of that, um, we, um, when we left, uh, I was giving one of our band members a ride um, to Marta so he could get home. And uh, somebody came up behind my car and like gave me a little bumper tap. Um, thankfully it was super, it was fine. There was no damage to either, vehicle um and we both were like but okay still like, like, like do we really cherry on top exactly like and it, yeah it really just sealed the deal for how angry I was and um you know the 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 it ended up being one of those situations where it's like this really isn't worth like getting police and insurance involved because neither of us are hurt our vehicles are fine like we barely got bumped like it was a very it really was a very light tap you know um but it was still just like fuck me really like today (laughs) you know um so uh that is definitely one of the gigs that i I definitely regret us taking like i i just 100 percent. there's not i can't really say there's anything i learned other than like don't take gigs like that but i kind of knew not to do that anyway like if we're being totally candid i i definitely wasn't like super gung ho about taking this gig but it was kind of like a you know democracy won the situation uh not in my favor right um you know um and there's there's a lot of other situations that were similar to that 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 band played that were just like you know it's one thing to try to seek out opportunity and to get in front of people, but it's another thing when that opportunity doesn't really even make sense for your brand. Um, and I I guess, you know, maybe one thing I I can say that I did learn from it as well is, is that was one of those instances that helped teach me to speak up a little bit more about like my, um, opinion and on, on like if I didn't think something was the right decision, like even if I was outvoted, like I, I would have, I think now, um, at this point in my career, I definitely would be like pushing a lot harder to be like, no, this is not. Which I can say
0: as somebody that's worked with you quite a lot, I really appreciate. Because a lot of times I have, you know, I I, I don't want to say like misguided whatever. But, you know, sometimes you get really passionate about a certain show or a, (laughs) a, a certain idea. And so I really appreciate you being like, um, I, I really don't think that that's the best idea.
1: Okay. Um, well, good. Good. Yeah, <laughs>
0: Because I can, I can definitely say like on a personal note um, that has been really helpful.
1: Good. Sure. I mean, and that's, you know, that's what we're here to do as well. Having this conversation is to try to help others like not be in the situations we've been in. Um, right. And like, overall, like, I feel like personally, you have really good judgment on that. But, you know, yeah, I mean, there, there's maybe been times where it's like, because this, you know, Hey Dreamer is this like baby of yours, this project that you right. fought so hard um, and worked so hard to cultivate, um, you know, I was in that same situation with the band I was in. And, you know, it's, it's hard to sometimes see things. Um, so like that, that aren't necessarily the best decision. So having that outside perspective really, um, yeah. really does help. I I agree. It can make a big difference.
0: Yeah, I think so for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, um, what about you?
0: Yeah. I mean, so I have had numerous, um, opportunities, gigs, however you want to look at it, um, where I have either not taken the gig or I've taken it and regretted it. So, yeah. um, a few things that I could say to look out for. Um, <clears throat> I'll give a really good example. So we had a mm-hmm. venue as Heydreamer. Uh, we were gonna do a New Year's Eve party. And um, mm-hmm. we were talking about New Year's Eve at like St. Patrick's Day. Like it was March right. when we were talking mm-hmm. about this. Um, and you know, the venue was they seemed at first super gracious they were like just throw out a number and if it's too high for us we'll talk to you about it mm-hmm. so um you know and obviously for bands uh on um holidays uh we usually get paid a lot more because it's a holiday you know right. if you play right. christmas eve or new year's eve or st patrick's day or whatever it may be Um, you usually get paid a good bit more. Mm -hmm. So I threw out. Um, it was a fairly high number, but I threw it out with the intention of they're going to talk it down,
1: Mm -hmm. you know.
0: Which I don't think there's any problem with. And I would recommend for all of our listeners to do the same. You know, always start higher than you want to end up because they're going to talk you down.
1: Like it's just like going to a pawn shop or something, right?
0: It's going to happen. So I threw out a high number, um, and I should have known, but, um, I didn't get an email response for several months. Yeah. Like it was May or June before I even got the first response. Mm-hmm. And the, the first response was basically like, um, you know, send us a contract. We're ready to go. That kind of thing. Right. So, so I they said, agreed. <laughs> exactly. So I sent them a contract and a couple of months later they get back to me and they're like, this number that you've thrown out is insanely high. You know, we, we we are not going to be able to do this and you know, uh, which is fine. I mean, I'm always up for negotiation, but the difference is once you negotiate, Six months down the road, you kind of lose a little bit of your negotiation power.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you sure do. So
0: um, especially because in my situation, you know, I already had two people that were holding those dates and one of which um, had a really important engagement on that date, Uh you know, being Dylan. Um mm-hmm. and so yep. that really that made it so hard for me to be like, oh, well we'll take blah 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 less, you know. And, and right. especially right. because they had gone so long. So basically, um just about a month ago, they finally responded to me and said, "Well, we'll pay you $500 for New Year's Eve. And that's mm-hmm. the most we can do." And I mean, I'll just be honest with you, like for a band, I don't care how many pieces there are for a new year's Eve date, $500 is kind of a slap in the face because it really is They're yeah. selling tickets for, um, at least like $50 a head. And right. so it's, it's just a slap in the face. It's like, so I'm entertainment for your really big party, but I'm just kind of like a sideshow to your income
1: (laughs) exactly you know so so
0: i refused and um it were really that really upset me but i think it's a great lesson for everybody that's listening because um even though i mean this place they were gung-ho for our show they were like yeah please play here on new year's eve and um I was all about it and it ended up several months later being a terrible deal and I walked away because I'm like I'm not I'm not bringing out my guys you know for a hundred dollars a man on New Year's (laughs) Eve like
1: on New Year's Eve don't even waste
0: my time you know
1: and not not to mention, you know, it's like it wasn't in a convenient part of town. Like, it's not like we were just like right. driving thirty minutes to Atlanta. Like, this would have been like a hour and a half, maybe even two hour right. drive, especially on New Year's Eve, right? right. And the five hundred dollars that they offered was, I don't remember the exact number, but close to probably about a quarter of the pro- the asking price that we agreed on. So
0: originally. I, I mean, I'll tell you, I asked two grand,
1: mm-hmm. um, right?
0: Because that would be um, basically for a trio. That's five hundred a man. And then I also wanted 500 to go into, like, a band account because mm-hmm. I really um, need some funds to do, like, travel shows.
1: Travel, merchandise, yeah. I mean, yeah, even yeah. just paying for your business re- license renewal just and stuff. stuff. I mean, that shit costs money. Yeah,
0: just stuff. So, um, but they came back with $500, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> that literally won't even cover one of us. So, right. I just, you know, and I refused, which was... I'm not going to lie. It was upsetting for me. Mm -hmm. And, but it was more upsetting for me, not because of the band side of it. It was more upsetting for me because I mean, I don't want to sound like a dick, but like, how dare you kind of like, you know what I mean? Like $500 for like a, a huge event where you're literally selling tickets for $50 a head. And I'm like five hundred dollars, that's literally like that's as, that's about as low as you can get, you know. Like ten people for a could Year's come. New Year's
1: gig, yeah. Ten people mm-hmm. could
0: come and that would pay for the band. you have
1: covered the band. And
0: yeah. you know, you and I both know way more than ten people are gonna come.
1: Yeah, to an event at a theater, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. they were going they were really planning this whole thing and and um, it's just upsetting. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, it mean, is, it is,
0: it sucks because people, people suck. But that's the whole point of this. <laughs> this episode is like, <laughs> you know, I think, you know, a lot of people, I, I really do think a lot of people would have been like $500. All right, let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, but you're just getting, you're just getting totally screwed over
1: taking advantage of. Yeah. yeah. Cause, cause here's the other side of it too, that, that I think, you know, just to explain it a bit more too, is cause like, obviously, you know, the band has to get together. They have to rehearse. There's probably some new material we would have been adding to the set to kind of theme with the, the event. Um, and I'm sure we we were playing like what, two, maybe three hours. Probably. So it's like, yeah. you know, a longer set. It's a lot of drive time. It's a lot of gear movement. um, you know, we're learning new material for the set. And, um, and it's a big event, like you said, that you know there's going to be a lot of people. So there's going to be more money to, to be able to afford to pay the band. And like we normally wouldn't necessarily charge two grand to play a show. You know, if we're doing a 30 minute, 45 right. minute set somewhere, like obviously that's going to be a different discussion. But, you know, um, but I, I would say one thing we learned from this is, um, the importance of, um you know sending out contract and um uh and and not specifically just sending out a contract because i know you did that but like also like sending out like a um disclaimer i guess in the contract that says like you know you must respond in this amount of time and we must receive this deposit at this time um which
0: i did but that's another but thing about like, yeah. yeah, that's another thing about contracts is it's just who, um, and I tell people this all the time, it's, you know, it's a matter of like, are they going to follow the contract agreements or the contractual agreements and is it worth suing over? Cause that's right. really what a contractual agreement's for. Yeah. It's just to give you some leverage legally. Um, but when you're talking, you know, most of the shows we do are a thousand dollars or less. Is it mm-hmm. really worth, you know, suing somebody and hiring a lawyer and
1: going to small claims, even yeah. you know, it's just so like, it's ugh. just
0: like, no. But I mean, I I do really feel like um, you know, if you're getting two grand or more, maybe mm-hmm. so. But yeah, I want yeah. to advise our listeners most of the time that's not the stakes <laughs> yeah for you know? sure so you just have to kind of weigh your options there um with yeah that, is it in every situation's to court
1: yeah exactly yeah every situation's a little different and so it, it, it can be hard sometimes to really kind of like gauge that but um you know, I think if you don't hear from a venue in two months after, after your initial conversation, now it's one thing if you email a venue and you just don't hear back for a while, it's like, sometimes it's just like, that's not their time of year to book for that part of the, the year coming up. But, you know, I think there's something to be said. It's like professional courtesy, I think is, is considered what one week or two weeks or something like right. that when you are working with somebody on something. And it's like, it, when you get past that point, it's like, okay, what, what the hell's going on here? Right. You know? because like. There's, there's other opportunities that you could take advantage of, but you're not taking advantage of them because you're waiting to hear back. And it's this whole back and forth right. that isn't actually happening, <laughs> but you know, it's kind Which of I like, I mean,
0: I will yeah. say like, as somebody that's tried to book <clears throat> at least in the last few years, that's become a huge, I, I think it's almost like epidemic levels, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, uh mm-hmm. um, for me, like, even if you do not have any interest in the act, let's just say, um, just a response to me is a huge deal.
1: Right. It like really Instead is.
0: of, even if it's no, like just, you know, no, I don't think you're ready for this venue or no, I don't think that you're, you know, whatever it may be. Um, I think that's a huge deal, and I think that it's the same with venues too. Like when you're reaching out to book, um, just trying to be as transparent as possible. Don't say that you can sell out a venue if you can't. <laughs> you know. Yes. That's yes. Huge. Um.
1: Oh man. So if if I can, that sure. just reminded me of of a actually a recent, very recent situation that sure. uh, I just dealt with. Um. So on that note, right, so like sometimes it's on the venue or the booking agent, sure. um, you know, and, and they did something wrong and you need to know when to say no. Sometimes it's on you as the artist or the band to also know what you're really capable of. So um, recently, uh, my, uh, Casual Cadenza, you know, the, the jam band, right? we were invited to open up for this band um, that was going on tour. Um, and I, I feel like I feel safe enough to say their name because um you'll find out why in a second. But the band is called Baked Shrimp and they are a um a jam band from oh gosh. I wanna say somewhere up north or maybe the Midwest or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, they were coming through town, they uh booked the vinyl, um, and they needed an opener, so we we're like, uh, yeah, let's do it. This sounds fun. It was um supposed to be November seventeenth. Mm. Um so we, um, you know, we approved it. We were like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and this was probably September or October when we um, agreed. Um, and then we're like a week or two. I don't even know if it was two weeks. It might have just been a week away from the gig. And we get an email from Vinyl saying that um, due to the lack of ticket sales, they decided to cancel the event. And. What? Yeah, and we were just like, "Whoa, what the hell is happening?" because we hadn't heard anything about like ticket sales not going well. And and yet we had been posting and we had been trying to, you know, kind of push it a little bit, but sure. uh we're also, you know, expecting the other bands to be doing that as well. Um and I think they didn't really do a whole lot of promo for it. Um and You know, they were, the reality is they were probably booking a venue too big for what, you know, how big their, their draw was going to be. Sure. Um, But
0: doesn't the vinyl, they hold like 250, right?
1: 250, 300, Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. So it's not a huge room, but it's not a tiny room. Like, right. You know, probably needed um, to
0: do like star bar or something.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um. And I've uh, never heard so of you
0: just canceling though. That's
1: crazy.: I know, yeah, it was a little crazy at first. We were like, like, "What's going on, vinyl?" But, but we realized later that there actually had been a chain of emails of vinyl going back and forth with the band uh, with Big shrimp, you know, being like, "Hey, like you know, ticket sales aren't going well. Like you know, I'm sure they probably were like, "Let's do more promoting. Like what's the deal? What's going on?" And I, I think they just weren't doing it. Sure. And, um, so I know, uh, DJ personally reached out to the vinyl to see if maybe we could salvage the gig and just, you know, have us play and then bring another band on the bill or something. And, um, they were just like, yeah, we just, we're too close, you know, and, and at this point we're just not comfortable holding the show. Um, and, uh, the um the band that was on tour big shrimp they um were like okay well you know how about this like we'll, we we got um word that this other venue steady hand will host us and steady hand is a brewery in atlanta um that casual cadence has played before um always a good time um and but they they were like um uh, you know oh uh, steady hand has a sound system so like we're good you know we got all that covered um but they don't. What they have is like a two or three channel mixer and like two mains, Um, which is great for like a duo, (laughs) you know, maybe. Um, And so we know right off the bat, okay, well that's, that's not going to be enough. So the reality is we're going to have to bring our, our sound system, which is a full rig, um, not like a super fancy rig, but you know, it's got a sub and some mains, a bunch of monitors and like a 16 channel mixer. So it would have been plenty to make the show happen, but it's like, well, like, you know, we could, we could just book steady hand on our own and do that another time. Like this is, you know, it's a, it's a brewery style gig, very different from a venue show with hard ticket sales. And we were trying to promote our, our new single release. And so we ultimately opted not to take the gig. And luckily Smith's old bar, um, had that date open. And so we just booked casual cadenza there and brought on an opener for us. Um, and we, we did pretty well. I mean, like we didn't, you know, sell out, the room and i think it was the atlanta room too so you know it's the downstairs room Mm -hmm. with like a 100 120 cap but we sold about half the room which you know for a band that's pretty good yeah that nobody really knows like you know we we did okay um and uh yeah so it was one of those situations where the the band that was on tour tour didn't really know their draw well enough or or just, like, didn't think about it and didn't really consider it well enough. Um, and we almost lost a gig because of it. Uh, again, we were able to f- kind of figure it out, but, but DJ really had to work hard to make that happen, and it was very frustrating for us and for him. Um, and ironically, and this is the reason why I also feel comfortable, like, mentioning the band name, uh, the band just broke up, oh. like, a week ago. Mm. So... My feeling is that they were kind of probably already on the verge of it Mm -hmm. Um, because you don't just break up like randomly like that, you know, like there's stuff that's going on and I don't know why. Maybe they were all just like at different points in their lives. I don't know. Maybe somebody was having kids or something and that's, you know, sometimes you got to know when to end something and that's fine. But it was like, man, if you guys were like really on the verge like that, like maybe you shouldn't have been going on like an East Coast tour. And For booking, sure. you know, four hundred cap rooms or three hundred cap rooms, yeah, uh, in cities that you don't play a lot.
0: And I mean, um, so I can recommend. Um, and it's been more of like a helpful tool along the way, but mm-hmm. booking shows the move. dot com. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, just because it not only includes. So, so basically, Indie on the Move is a website that provides, in theory, it provides artists with um, venues in every city, in theory. <laughs> in that, theory. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and it includes contact info and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it also includes uh, capacity, which for me has always been a huge thing. Mm-hmm. because I do not want to play a thousand seat room and only have 10 people there.
1: That is. <laughs> yeah.
0: Honestly, to me, that's worse than playing a 10 capacity room and having 20 people there. I would much rather play a small room and it be packed than a huge room and there be like 2% capacity.
1: <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. So, um,
0: yeah. So that is a huge resource, um, but I also will advise everybody, anytime I send an email to um, a venue, it doesn't matter, well, okay, so anytime I send an email to a venue, I, if we've played that city before, I'll let them know, like, this is the date we played this city Um mm-hmm. You know, this was the tickets that we sold. We were not the only band on the venue or on the uh, bill. You know, mm-hmm. so take that what Into you consideration. will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I'm specifically for Hey Dreamer. I'm talking about Birmingham. So Birmingham, Alabama. We've played there. Mm. We've played the Nick several times, right? Mm-hmm. But the Nick is kind of. If you're an Atlanta musician, it's kind of like Smistle Bar, but a little bit rougher. Mm-hmm. Um But anytime I message a venue in Birmingham, the last time we played the Nick, we actually did very well with ticket sales. Um, but we also weren't the only band on the bill. Mm-hmm. So um I include that in the email. I say the last time we played in Birmingham, we played at the Nick we sold you know 100 tickets or whatever it may be um however we were on a three-band bill um you know um we haven't been in the city for uh, almost a year so i think Mm -hmm. that the people that were at that show are ready for us to come back we -hmm. would love to play your venue you know xyz (laughs) So, um, I think that it's, it's super important to be as transparent as you can be, but also know kind of with the theme of this podcast, um, episode to not take the gig. Um, if I ever had a venue come back and say, you know, well, You know, we're in Birmingham, which for us coming from Atlanta, that's a three hour show or a three hour drive,
1: three hour drive. Right.
0: So we can come back that night, but it's really hard, you know, like we're going to be exhausted and that can even, you know, cause safety issues. So for me, like having a venue come back and say, um, Well, you can play this venue, but it's going to be pro bono or for no money or, you know, whatever the deal may be. You really Mm -hmm. have to think, you know, you either have to get a hotel that night, which is honestly these days it's gotten so much more. It's like 150 bucks for a shitty hotel room. Yeah. Um. You know, or you have to drive back that night, which, like I said, can cause all kinds of safety issues. So really think about kind of the deals that venues are giving you. Um, and also think about it in the way of, you know, I mean, I'm not like anti venue, but to be honest, venues make enough at the bar where they can pay you. $800 and it's not a big deal. Oh yeah. Like almost sure. every Not necessarily venue.
1: every venue. Well, I was going to say not necessarily right. every venue, but, but a lot of them. Right. A lot of them.
0: So like, it's really not a huge deal. So you just kind of have to gauge the venue, gauge the vibe, gauge the attendance, gauge the yeah. everything. But, um, you know, just really try to stand up for yourself because it's. Uh, I've had so many venues be like, well, we cannot pay you $400. And I'm like, well, you just made $20,000 at the bar on Friday. Yeah, night. right. So yeah, for sure. I'm pretty sure. sure you can afford $400 for the entertainment that kept the people there. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like know. that gig you were talking about in the last episode where, you know, they were refusing to pay you like 300 or 250 or something like that. And, you know, you know that they were like consistently killing it at the bar. Right. Um, yeah, there's so many situations like that. And and it's like, I understand that overhead can be, uh, crazy, you know, like, I mean, you're paying your staff. Um, you're, you know, you're paying for obviously supplies. You're paying for the food and the, um, alcohol and the licenses. And I mean, there's a lot of money that goes into a business and I understand that. I totally do. But at the same time, there's a lot of money that goes into being a musician and it's a lot of upfront costs, right? Uh, that most of us will not be getting any kind of a loan for. Um, and it's consistent reoccurring costs, just like a business has to get more equipment and pay their employees so do we you know and the difference is that we don't have uh liquor to sell you know i mean like yeah we have merch but merch is not going to sell like a three dollar beer you know or or even a six dollar beer that you're making you know 300 percent profit on so
0: you're actually giving me an idea maybe we should start selling beer at the merch table (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, we'd have to get a liquor license and all that other stuff. Well, so sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's good point. Um, every there's a lot, yeah, <laughs> literally every state. Yeah. Which would just not be worth it. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, it's just expensive. Everything's expensive. It's expensive to live. It's expensive to be a musician. It's expensive to own a bar. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's tough for everybody. Um, but, Like you said, you know, when you're making 20 K a night, 400 bucks is not too much to ask for, (laughs) um, you know, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate how common that is. Um, and, you know, there are some venues that, that I've noticed personally who, who I won't name right now, but, um, that, uh, have changed their production fee depending on the night and, and. Sometimes I get that. Uh, I guess it depends on who you're hiring or like what you're expecting. But when it's the same room and the same number of staff, it's like, well, why was the production fee $500 this time? And now it's 250. And then the next right. time it'll be 500 again. You know, it's just stuff like that, that like you, you should just log that away in your brain and think about that, you know, because next time you you get that offer, you might want to, to reconsider. Um.
0: And I think, you know, too, um, it's super hard to do, but anytime you can get a contract, it is always going to be in your favor because the number one, like for me, the number one time I've had people back out is when I send a written contract because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they're like, it's in writing, you know, they can't back out last minute. So, um, you know, I mean, do it how you want to do it. Um, and, and what I mean by that is sure. If you're playing a small bar, uh, in a local place, I I understand this was not a contractual thing, but anytime you can try to get it in writing, it will Mm -hmm. always, I think, be to your benefit. And I don't just mean that in that you can ask for more. I mean, you ask for what you ask for, but they do not back down as much when you have a written agreement, Um, which in my experience is 90% of, (laughs) you know, venue bullshit is just like people backing out, people... Co- going back on their word, you know, mm-hmm. or all of a sudden they can't pay what they said they were going to pay. So, I think any time you can you can get a contractual agreement, do it. Yes. Um uh, and I know like I said, I know it's hard. It's sometimes super awkward, but um if it seems like the kind of gig where you could get one, do it. <laughs> yeah
1: because Agreed. i
0: you know i mean i've had people back out literally last minute as possible like you know like mm-hmm. it's the the gig is on december 1st and november 30th they're like oh by the way we can't actually do this show <laughs> you know what i mean
1: so and so <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and so all of a sudden you have this and the great thing about contracts is you can change anything about it. You know, you can make it where as long as you cancel a week before you don't owe us anything, but if you cancel within five days, then you have to pay us the full amount. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's totally changeable. It's totally, um,
1: before you sign it, that is (laughs) right. Well, yeah, yeah.
0: But, but I, I just think it's really important because so many people are scared of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my experience, they're ultimately the only way to find out if somebody actually wants you to play right. their event or not. Um, yeah. cause totally. I've had so many people be like, oh yeah, you're going to do, I'm just throwing out an example. You're going to do new year's Eve. And then December 13th, they're like, actually we couldn't do that. So I'm really sorry. <laughs> And right. you know, you're shit out of luck. So yeah, um you know, it the the advice that I could give is send a contract, even well, like I said, feel it out, you know, if it's like a super low key brewery gig in, you know, mm-hmm. Doraville, Georgia or something, then like you're probably okay to not do a contract, but Mm-hmm. Anytime you can, you should, um, yeah. just because it w- kind of solidifies the, the agreement. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, I agree. No, I, I think, I mean, really, I think once you hit that like thousand dollar mark and up is where contracts are just like, they should be pretty much your go-to standard.
0: Yeah. Um, I agree.
1: You know, um,
0: and they're not but, hard. Yeah, I yeah. mean, if you guys, uh, any of our listeners that are like, "Well, what kind of contract do I send?" Just like hit me up because I have like templates out the ass. Mm-hmm. So, like, just yeah. fill in the dots. Um, it's it's really and, and not, you can find them. Yeah, exactly. You, you can, can find them Google everywhere. search and
1: um, even Google uh, Google Docs has like templates for contracts right. and and um, invoices and stuff like right. that.
0: And just you know. fill in the blanks. I mean, the great yeah. thing about music contracts, especially, is there is no one way. Like, there is, you know, there's no standard as far as right. that goes. Like, customize it as far as you want. Like, if you, you know, if you need XYZ, include that. You know, I mean, it's, it's totally customizable. And they yep. either agree to it or they don't. But if that's what you need, then you know that that's not the venue for you. So I think that contracts are a great way to go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so on, on that note, uh, as we're talking about, well, obviously the, the whole episode here is, is about knowing when or when not to take the gig. Um, one thing I'd like to touch on is when you've taken the gig and then. Um, you realize that it's not the gig you were, uh, you thought it would be. And specifically, I want to speak to it more on like maybe a, a values slash morals standpoint. Um, cause sometimes the money is not an issue and, um, that's awesome. But other times when the money's not an issue, there may be a, a, another, another problem. And, um, so I, I know I can speak on a couple of instances where, where that's happened. Um, I think I've, I've mentioned in the past one, uh, where I took a, uh, so I won't spend a lot of time on this one in particular, but I took a, um, corporate style cover gig. Um, it wasn't like this big company. It was just like a single band and, you know, they were just corporate style. Right. Um, so, you know, lots of covers, very little dead space, weddings, bar mitzvahs, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, we did a, I did two gigs with them. Uh, one was a wedding gig and one was um, just some kind of like festival event where I think they were kind of using it to promote the band. Um, and it, the second gig, um, we were in the van together, kind of riding riding to our location. Um, and uh, one of the band members started making jokes that were very racist. Um, and nobody in the band was a member of that uh targeted group um which wouldn't have made it better by any means, so let me make that clear, but especially because it was like it was a bunch of white people in a van, and like one of them was making you know some pretty uh objectionable jokes right. um and I felt really gross, you know like i i I didn't feel. So you knew immediately. Brave enough, I guess. I knew were... immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't feel brave enough to say anything in the moment and and I I kind of regret that. I do, but at the same time like I was one person in a van with like seven others who uh, were, were like kind of laughing. Some of them I could tell were like not really listening. Like one guy had his earbuds in, so I don't know if you he heard the joke. Um
0: so they're but, just like throwing um, around the N-word or something.
1: Yeah, it was like it was one guy. I, I will not say it was the whole group because it wasn't, yeah. um, you know, but but they were laughing. Some of them were laughing at it. Some of them were just kind of like, uh-huh. you know, and I was like I was in the very back seat and I was alone in the back seat. So like I felt like at least I could be like, you know, <laughs> make you a face at it seat? and just be like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, it wasn't like a jump oh, okay. seat, but it was like for some reason, like there was a, most everyone else was sitting in like the the rows or obviously one was driving, sure. one was in the front passenger you seat and there was like a three row. So I, yeah, I was like way in the back and I was just like, wow, this is really fucked up and I'm uncomfortable and I feel sick that I'm even with these people on this gig. And it was before the set. So of course I also felt extra weird about it. Cause I was like, great now I have to go play this like two hour set with this guy who's making these jokes and and I don't like him anymore. Um And uh so there. I, I Yeah. Right. And, and so after that, I did not take any more gigs with them. And, um, you know, I just kind of stopped having anything to do with them. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, the money was great. It was a really, really well-paying gig. Like, I think it was like minimum, like 500 bucks a person or something like that, but it was just like, yeah, but it was, you you know, that immediately turned me off. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so there was that one. And then there's, two others that are, that are kind of the similar situations. Um, one of them, I had this opportunity to start playing um, bass for the son of a very famous artist, a uh, country artist um, who I will not name. Um, should I name him? What's that? I'm
0: just kidding. Yeah. So should I name him? <laughs>
1: no, please don't. Um, and, um, it was kind of a similar situation in that you know the money was really good good um now I, I don't recall really ever hearing anything particularly like like specifically racist or anything like that but there were some things that were kind of like implied um Partially by like you know their political leaning and and I try to be like understanding of people's different beliefs but there are certain ones where I just I don't know I I can't get past it and it's like we're just not going to agree on that and that's a big deal for me so it's kind of a deal breaker, um and I you know I will also note that this person who I was working for was on on a professional level on the up and up I was paid on time I was paid the exact amount in fact I was paid more than I was expecting I believe um and uh they they were very professional they handled rehearsals very well we were on task there was no wasted time and i appreciated that about the gig but once i started to to kind of get to know um the situation a little more i realized that even though nothing outwardly like racist or um misogynist or anything like that was was actually happening there were no like Jokes, so there was no you know anything like that, but there was certain context. It's hard to explain, but you can just kind of pick up on that stuff mm-hmm. sometimes and I just knew that like from a, a a a level of like morality that we were just not on the same page um, and I knew that because of that, I couldn't, in good conscious conscience like keep doing the gig um, you know and again, it was it was professional, it was organized, um, but it was just not it didn't feel right in my gut. And, right. um, you know, I, even though this person was, um, you know, connected to some very well-off, very famous people and is probably going to be successful kind of as a result of that. Um, it, it just turned me off from the situation and, um, and I had to, to back out. Um,
0: yeah, I've had several instances you know. like that.
1: Yeah. And it sucks, you know, because like, part of you is like, oh man, like this is, this could be a, a real game changer for an opportunity, yeah. but you know, I don't want to work in a situation where I feel like, um, I'm going against my values, you know? And, and like I said, like I'm a pretty accepting person. Like I'm, I'm a pretty open-minded person. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people that I'm friends with who I, I don't agree with on every aspect of politics sure. or, uh, religion or something like that. But you know there's a there's a line there's a line um and uh you know when when you start crossing that line uh we just we're not going to be able to work together um so there was that one and then the final one I'll I'll try to keep this quick um i was working for uh, an artist who you and i have talked about before um again i will not leave i will not drop the name here but um it's a uh talented musician um who uh while i probably agreed with her you know more on the political realm or on the spiritual side of things or something um and you know the gig pay was usually pretty decent um not always amazing but but usually like reasonable i would say it's on the lower end of of reasonable expectations right like it definitely could have been more especially for the effort i was putting in but it wasn't like wow well, why, and why are you paying probably
0: me? i know who you're talking about probably what she yeah. was making you probably could yes. have done a lot better
1: could have done more for sure 100 um, percent. yeah um so myself uh and actually you know dylan um both played for this this person um and uh this person is now like doing pretty well like they um at least they're playing like pretty big tours like arena tours opening up for another very big band um and probably making you know a pretty good amount of money and making new fans and all that um but my issue with this person is that um there were many occasions where they would ask uh us to hold like months at a time of uh you know gig weekends sure. and, and week days even uh for potential tours that weren't actually fully booked yet. Um and you know, we Which were a asked a lot of times. Is,
0: so in my opinion, a hold mm-hmm. should be very light. Like, can you hold this for me? But yeah. from my understanding, this person was expecting you to go ahead and Mark that off.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like just, a whole yeah. like mm-hmm. if
0: I ever say like, can you hold this date for me? It's a light, mm-hmm. like, you know, just try not to like book a date night or something on that. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Um, or there's like, there's a difference you know, between a know.
0: hold and a hard um set date. And it sounded like this Correct. person was mark off July through August hard set.
1: Yes. Like this is 100%. Yeah. No
0: wiggle room, no, you know, which I think is just wrong. But I just wanted to clarify that because holds, you know, they can be light, they can be heavy, they can be literally like, this is confirmed.
1: This is confirmed. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So to me, there's three three tiers of holds, right? Sure. There's the low tier, which is, yeah, hold this date for me. I'm going to try to book something uh, on this weekend. But if you have something come up and it's looking like it's going to happen, let me know. Right. Uh, you know, that's that's a light hold. Um, and I get those all the time. I mean, people sure. are always hitting me up I saying, mean, hey, can you the hold time. this date for me? And
0: Yeah, I mean, I've that's given fine, you, you know? uh, a million because, you yeah, know, you and, just never know. But exactly. the, the point with light holds, just so that everybody knows, is mm-hmm. I'm intending to book a gig on this date. But, mm-hmm. I mean... Booking gigs is like fucking skipping rocks. Like who knows if it's going to actually work. You know what I mean? So, yeah, 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 so yeah. a light hold to me, and I just wanted to clarify for the listeners,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, it should be like, you know, like I was saying, just don't plan anything huge on this date. I'm not saying that if you get a huge opportunity, like if you got an opportunity to play another gig, Really, I would be like, okay, yeah, that's good.
1: That's fine, right? Like Which has happened before. Yeah. yeah,
0: like we're good. But the whole point of a hold is just, I'm really trying to get this date. Um, you know, uh, can you just set it aside so that you don't plan just willy nilly bullshit? That's the whole point.
1: Right. Or yeah, hold, exactly, exactly. You know. Yeah. So
0: I just wanted to clarify. Because I think no, a absolutely. lot of people don't really get the gig economy. But, um No, totally, it's, totally. It's to- and especially that's very type. important. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, continue. An, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, no, so so you're good. You're good. So that's a light hold though, like you right. explained. Now a medium or, or like heavier hold would be like, okay, we're in conversation. Right. We're probably gonna book this, but we haven't confirmed yet um, hold this date. You know, if, if you get something like, let me know, but give me more time to see if I can get a confirmation. And then if that doesn't go through, then I'll release the hold. And then a confirmation, which is like a a hard hold is like, okay, we have booked this gig. We are going to do this. Um, please don't book anything else. Please don't double book that kind of thing. Right. So those are the three tiers of of holding for me. For sure. So, um, it was a lot of heart, like, like medium hard holds and like, like somewhat, I guess like what seemed like confirmed holds that really weren't confirmed. Um, but on top of that, there were also times where like we had confirmed dates with other people. Like we had them on the calendar. They were set. They were going to be played. And this person was asking us to, uh, to cancel those gigs and play with them instead. Um, which, you know, especially now is, is just like a no-go for me. Like if I'm already booked, like there's very rare instances where it's like, okay, if I know like I'm doing a cover gig or something or a local gig, that's like a cover band that I know I can find a fill for, because like, you know, I want to take this other gig for like a, an original project that I know is like really trying to push this product of theirs, then that's maybe a different thing. But you know i'm not going to do that like a month before the gig like we're talking like okay there's wiggle room if you're like three or four months out right and i have made m- those mistakes in the past like in my earlier years of starting to do freelance work there was a one or two times where i you know went back on a gig like a couple months out from the gig um and i felt really bad about it and i i you know it was a bad professional decision and it reflects negatively on me however i don't do that anymore um and, I mean, it
0: doesn't. I I know what you mean, but like, it didn't. You didn't do it. To I mean, it the didn't extent, destroy my right. career.
1: Yeah, but, but anytime you know, anybody
0: mentions you, it's accolades and he's amazing. I mean, hopefully, you know what I mean. You know, I'm
1: sure there's. Yeah, I've, I'm sure I've made some enemies out there, but for the most part, I feel like at this point in my professional uh, freelance musician, you know, career that I've I've established that I am dependable and trustworthy and. Right. um, and respectful and easy to work with and so on. Um, cause I really try to be like, I really, it's a thing. Um, no, I mean, so working
0: with you as just, I can say for sure it's been amazing.
1: Like oh, I've never I had that. to
0: worry about, you know, Oh shit, Justin's going to double book, <laughs> you know, or yeah. whatever. Like <laughs> yeah. it's never, it's never been a worry for me. So I Good. can say as a, has that party. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, totally, it's not totally, a, yeah. it's no, not I, a deal. So that's always great.
1: Good. I'm, I'm glad I've established that. I, I, um, and I, like I said, you know, I've learned the hard way. Like I have made those mistakes in the past, but now I don't make them. And now I'm telling the audience or, or, or uh, advising the audience, I should say, like, you know, learn from my mistakes. These are the things that I have done before that I don't do now um, for a reason. Um, but as far as this, you know, professional relationship that I had with this person, I finally had to make the decision to, to step away because, um, they were doing this consistently and essentially asking me to, to drop my other projects and to, you know, risk potentially also losing my, my side work as a teacher, um, you know, to hold dates that weren't really confirmed. Um and like I said this person is now like playing arena shows and really, you know, doing their thing. However, I will also say that to this day they do not have a set band. And um they have gone through dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of musicians probably for this exact reason. Because um there's not enough organization and there is not enough responsibility being taken. Um You know, and uh, and it's a shame because, you know, I do think this person has talent and I do think this this person has has a lot of potential, Um, but it's going to be really hard to maintain. And and here's the the other thing, too. You know, if they just wanted to be a solo artist who just hires musicians, that's fine. That's one thing. I still think they could have done better about how they hired and how they treated their their employees, for lack of a better word. Um, but this person also really wanted to have a band. They wanted to have set members. They wanted to have a project that they were all working towards. And it's like, if you're going to do that, you're right. then there are certain ground rules. That's what I know? was
0: about to say, you know, because yeah. I it's come like, from the so- same place, you know, mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. having, um, I, I love, this is just me personally. I love playing with mm-hmm. people that I really have a connection with. Yeah. You know, I I mean it's it's okay to play with people that are just hired guns, but there there are, you know, relationship rules that come along with that. Yeah. You know, you for can't sure. just like fuck somebody over for months and then it, just expect them to want to be a part of your <laughs> you know, your project. So
1: Yeah. It's it's I mean it really is just like the friendships and relationships that you build in your personal life where like, you know, I mean, if you, if you consistently bail on your friends, when you plan like a dinner date or a, you know, a movie night or something like they're going to stop calling you, they're going to stop asking you if you want to hang out because, you know, people plan their lives, like, especially, and it's something that, you know, I know I've definitely learned more and more as I've grown into adulthood and like, especially after, you know, probably 25, um, when my social group grew so much that I, I started realizing like how important it is to follow through and and stick to promises and plans because, you know, once you become an adult, um, you know, for the most part, like you really have to plan every aspect of your life. For sure. Um, due to your job or your, you know, maybe your marital or, or, or or relationship status, um, spouse status. Right. Uh, if you have kids, you know, I mean, there's, you just become, there's more responsibility and you're expected to deliver on those responsibilities. And so it becomes really important to plan things out. So when people bail, it's, it's very, um, harmful to the relationship. So, you know, from a professional standpoint and from a personal standpoint, it's really, really important to um, to know your boundaries and and to know when um when it's not the right situation anymore and you need to step away right um so yeah those those definitely they happen <laughs> they you happen know.
0: all the time unfortunately, yeah um, you know what
1: well, about like what about you are are there any like examples that you've thought of of like sometimes where that you could speak on where you've had to realize that it wasn't the right situation so anymore? I mean
0: definitely, but mm-hmm. um I don't do quite as much hired gun stuff as you. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is a different kind of parameter. You know, like I'm more so just my own artist. But no, I mean, I have been in the car when people have dropped the N-word about other people in the car. And Mm. I just wanted to melt into my little (laughs) seat. And, you know, just kind of like what you were saying. I mean... You just have to um, really think about the people that you're around. And this is going to sound like a mom thing. I, I totally already hear it. But <laughs> like the people that you're around do define what other people think of you. Yeah. You know, so if you're around people that you do not agree with or that are, you know, being racist, they're sexist, they're misogynist, there's a list of things, Right. Mm-hmm. Just anything right. that you don't agree with, I think, just try to separate yourself as much as possible um and yeah <clears throat> I've definitely tried to do that for myself. Um, my situation has been uh, somewhat a little complicated with that kind of stuff, but um you know i I will say it only does good to distance yourself from those kind of people. Um, and I've experienced that even as hard as it has been at certain times. Um, you know, I mean, just, just surround yourself with people that, um, are in your same mindset and I think great things will happen. Um, if and like we've said this whole time. If it seems like it's a bad deal, if somebody's offering you a bad deal, if somebody won't sign a contract, those are always things to look out for. But ultimately, I think don't take the gig if the people involved in the gig do not align with your um, sensibilities. Um, Yeah. And that's been really hard for me. I've played, um, actually, this is a good point. I've played a venue. Um for years oh my gosh i've played there since i was like 14 years old and recently um i heard one of their bouncers just berate this guy call him the n-word and you know kick him out and i'm not gonna play there again because i just don't know that's be, fucking crazy i just don't want to be affiliated with that kind of people you know or those yeah. kind of people you know so yeah really trust your gut on that kind of stuff because it's all over the place and I I doubt it's limited to the south even though I think it's probably worse in the south mm-hmm. um, I think that shit probably happens everywhere. Um, oh, so yeah. just keep your eyes open keep your ears open um, if you do not align with the you know the ideal uh, the ideals of a venue um, you're probably right. So just yeah. kind of back away. And that's what I've done um, as much as I can. You know, we are unfortunately in Georgia, so it's hard to do that sometimes. Um, it is. Because yeah. a lot of, you know, blue collar venue owners in this area are super racist and they're super just terrible people a lot of the time. I mean, I'm not going to deny that. <laughs>
1: um Yeah.
0: So you know, if you do not want to be affiliated with that kind of person, then um, don't even don't even send an email to the venue. Yeah, you know, um, because shit can happen at any time. Um, you know, that same venue I was talking about when all that happened was during our loadout. But imagine if it had happened during our show and people affiliated. You know, me with that, you know? Yeah. I mean, it can be a huge, you know, it can be a huge thing. And maybe not if you're Leonard Skynyard, but if you're anybody else. (laughs) And I'm not just picking on Leonard Skynyard, but you know what I mean? Like,
1: (laughs) but they're a good example. They did fly a rebel flag at all their shows. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Like, it's, you know, if you don't want to be associated with it, then don't at all. You know? Yeah. Just try to be smart about it. Um, and I think that kind of like sums up the don't yeah. take the gig. I mean, if you get a bad vibe, if they fly a rebel flag behind the stage, which we have unfortunately played shows where that's happened. Actually, it wasn't yeah. a rebel flag; it was an American flag, but still, same idea.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's like a a subtle trickiness with that one for sure and i mean i've there are several venues here in atlanta that that you know have their back the blue stickers and like i don't hate all cops by it like i I, i'm gonna go ahead and say that right now i i know for a fact that there are some people out there that are just they're just doing a job and not all of them are um are violent and racist but a lot of them are. I mean, there there are a lot of verified cop gangs that exist. And yeah. um, and I don't trust them. Even the ones who I know aren't necessarily bad people, I still don't trust them.
0: I really and, don't trust you know, anybody with a gun, actually.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, some of these venues, they have their back blue stickers and like, you know, that's a message I, I disagree with. But some, you know, I, I play in some bands that you know, they, they book at those venues, not even because they support that cause, but that's just the venue they got. And right. cause some of them are staples. Some of them are, are like venues that you it's.
0: And I mean, I've done it. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to say I haven't done it because anybody that looks at my Facebook event list will say like mm-hmm. I've played redneck bars out the ass, but, mm-hmm. um, I've tried to do it less, you know? Yeah. And I have redneck bars reach out to me all the time about having us play. And I just, you know, I just don't even want to be affiliated. Yeah. Cause like, why would I do that when, you know, I can go play somewhere else that's open and affirming and doesn't have a rebel flag behind the stage. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Or yeah, exactly. I I mean, and now we're, yeah, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say, so if I had to tell the listeners for this, a podcast something it's um it's that I, I understand the idea of any gig is a gig like trust mm-hmm. me i totally get that i yeah. totally get that but um i think that there's a there's a line, you know uh there's a yep. hard line and whatever wherever you play right um is a reflection on you and I'll give a personal example real quick. I just thought of, so, Mm -hmm. um, when I was 18, I played my first Melissa Etheridge cruise, right? Mm. Um, yeah, 99% middle-aged lesbian women. I mean, let's just be honest. (laughs) That's the, that's the target audience of the cruise, right? Yeah. Um, so, when we came back home, we were playing the same bars that we played before we went on the cruise. So I'm talking mm-hmm. Redneck, South Atlanta, you know, just just trashy bars, right? Yeah, right, and right. And so all the people that were on that cruise from Atlanta came there, and they literally told me they did not feel safe there. And how shitty is that? You know, that yeah, made that me sucks. feel... yeah so shitty <laughs> you know because yeah. i'm like i finally have these people that traveled i mean over 50 miles mm-hmm. over an hour to come see me play music and they literally did not feel safe
1: yeah like how
0: how shitty is that so like weigh that into and that doesn't just mean like well, I haven't played a cruise yet and like blah, blah, blah. Like it's always going to be that. If your target audience is not, you know, dickheads that are middle-aged that love rebel flags and say the N-word, then stop playing those places. (laughs) You know what I (laughs) mean? Like,
1: Because your target
0: audience is not going to be fucking walking in there. Like they're not going to be there. Yeah, you know, pick somewhere else. I promise there are more places. That's yeah. the one thing I want to take away from this. Is like I promise the listeners for this, there are more places to play. Yep. I mean, even if it's a somebody's fucking backyard, I would rather do House that. House shows are amazing. I would rather yeah. do that than have a rebel flag flying behind me and people using the N word and you know all that shit. Like I'm just not yep. about it. Yep. That Same. pisses me off so bad. <laughs> I could go on for another hour. <laughs> it's all. Totally. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sex, Drugs, and Disappointment. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a review and connect with us more on Instagram and TikTok at SDD Podcast. Each episode is also available in video format on YouTube. Eventually. And don't forget
1: <laughs> <laughs> have fun. Don't do too much. And it is going to (laughs) happen.